Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Through each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We make leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we are encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. On this episode, we will be hearing from Dr. Bobby Worthington. Dr. Worthington is the Associate Professor of Missions and Evangelism and the W.A. Criswell Jack Pogue Chair of Evangelism at Criswell College. He received his BA in Biblical Studies and MA in Ministry from Criswell College. He proceeded to acquire his Doctor of Ministry from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Worthington is a prominent leader of effective biblical homeless ministry throughout the city of Dallas. Without further ado, Dr. Bobby Worthington. Well, good morning to everyone. I want to welcome some two special guests that are with me today, Chris and Tori Antone right there. And they're members of our church in Pleasant Grove. They're here visiting today. I've had the privilege of being Chris's pastor since he was a boy. His grandmother's pastor, his mother, his pastor, and his son's pastor. And so what a joy. God bless you for coming. Thank you for being here. We're going to look in Luke's Gospel. Some of you may be shocked by that. If you've had a class with me, you know that uh, Luke is my favorite book. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And um, I want to share with you that four years ago, I preached this sermon. I went back through the chapel messages and looked, and I thought, I've really worked this week to prepare two sermons, and I'm not going to preach both sermons, just only one, uh, but uh, preaching from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, in the familiar passage on the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I want to set the background for you and the context. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus has sent out the 70. They go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom, and they come back to report to Jesus. And something happens, they report that even the demons are subject to them. What they do is they focus on the wrong thing. And the Lord was constantly reorienting their lives around the kingdom of God that had come in Him. And the Lord allows us at times to focus on the wrong thing, but aren't we glad that He brings us back in focus? He tells them what you should be focused on and glorying in is the fact that your names are recorded in the book of life. That you've been invited in the, the kingdom of God and that you're participating in the kingdom. That's what we really should be glorying in and focusing on. In the heart of this chapter, there is the parable of the Good Samaritan. It comes from a man who asked Jesus a question. I want you to find your place with me in your copy of God's Word and look with me in Luke 10, 25. A lawyer, a scribe, stood up and put him to the test, saying to him, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
His question was, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? There's only one other place in Luke's gospel that this is mentioned. It's mentioned in Luke chapter 18 where the rich young ruler asked the same question. The rich young ruler, if you know that passage, uh, goes away saddened because he has a lot of wealth. He'll not give it away to the poor, but it would cause him to have to completely depend upon the Lord. Jesus uses in telling the story, and Luke does too, the phrases entering the kingdom and being saved is synonymous for uh, inheriting eternal life. So Jesus answers his question with a question. In fact, two questions. What is written in the law and how does it read to you? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.5. And then he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which is a quotation of Leviticus 19.18. So he did know the law. He did know the Old Testament. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. What he was telling him to do was start loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And not only started, but continue to love as a way of life. With all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. But not only that, not only his vertical relationship with God, but his horizontal relationship with others. He was to love his neighbor as himself. And thinking about that, he wished to justify himself, it says in verse 29. And he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Have you ever justified thinking about whether you can accomplish something and you justify it? Well, this is what he did. He was justifying. He asked the wrong question. Have you ever asked the wrong question? <laughs> he did. Who's my neighbor, he says. Well, Jesus uses this question to tell a, a story, a parable. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan where he tells the story of a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The reason he's going down is because Jerusalem is 2,500 feet above sea level and Jericho is 800 feet below. It's 17 miles east of Jerusalem. And as he tells this story, this man is going from, Jericho, uh, from Jerusalem. You assume he's a Jew that's traveling and he's on his way to Jericho. Something happens. Something happens in the story. What happens? What happens as he's going down, he's stripped, he's beaten, and he's left half dead. Now Jesus tells about three men that came along on that road. He said, by chance a priest was going down that road and he saw him and he passed by on the other side. Now if you study uh, commentaries, they give you different reasons, but Jesus didn't comment on it. He's just telling the story. The point he's making is he passed on by. He didn't stop. You would think that a priest would stop, but he didn't in the story. Then a Levite, priest's assistant, came to the same place and he saw the man. And what does he do? He passes by on the other side. And then there's a contrastive conjunction, but, in the story where he says, but a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan would be a non-neighbor to a Jew. And so the Samaritan, the non-neighbor, shows what it's like to be a neighbor. 
He's on a journey. He came upon him and he saw and he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them and putting him on his beast, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day, he went, he took two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I return, I'll repay. It's interesting because Luke uses the word compassion three times. Here in this text of a man who shows compassion to someone who he finds on the road. The first time it's used is Luke chapter 7, the widow of Nain, where Jesus is coming in with a crowd and the widow is going out with a crowd and the two crowds converge and there's a funeral in process. And what does Jesus do? He stops the funeral procession. The main point of the story is to show that he has authority over death because he raises her son from the dead. But a point in the story is he has compassion on the widow. What was her need? Her need was provision. Her husband was dead and now her son. And so what does compassion do? It meets the need. You've heard me say it before. Compassion meets the need. And so the Lord has compassion and he presents her son back alive to her to meet her need. The other use of the word compassion in the Gospel of Luke is found in Luke 15 in the story of the prodigal son. One son stays home, one son can't come inside and join the party when the other son, you know the story, what happens, he goes. He sins against his father, he lives the opposite the way he was raised, he comes to his senses in the far country he returns home and the father runs to meet him. And the father shows compassion. It's the word used a third time in the Gospel of Luke. And so he has compassion. What was his need? His need was forgiveness. Did he deserve to be forgiven? No. Do any of us deserve to be forgiven? No. But aren't we glad to the grace of God that God forgives us? The older son will not come inside even when the father goes outside and, and implores him to come in. The story ends there in Luke 15 with the older son outside. He's like the scribes and the Pharisees in the context of Luke 15 that they're listening to that story along with two other stories in that passage. And they can identify with the older brother. He can't join the party can't forgive his brother, remains outside. But the publicans, the sinners that Jesus ate with could identify with the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And they knew they needed forgiveness. So compassion meets our greatest need. And the greatest need in the human heart is forgiveness. And aren't we glad that God has provided our greatest need in Christ? As we look back now in Luke 10, Jesus asks a question once he tells this story, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He answered in this, this question, the one who proved to be a neighbor, the one who showed mercy on him. 
Remember, Jesus taught about mercy, didn't he? In Luke chapter 6, he teaches, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. In fact, he goes further and says that you are to love your enemies. How can you do that unless you have the love of God flowing through your life? Well, we find he's to tell him to go do the same. Now, I want to also share with you about this passage and then draw application. So, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, when he answers the question of Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, that question, I think, is answered in the very next story of Martha and Mary. You remember that story? Jesus goes into Martha's home and Mary's sitting at his feet and she's listening and she's learning so she can obey the Lord. That's the position of a, of a disciple is to sit at the feet of Jesus. We are to sit at his feet every time we open God's word, whether it's a devotion, whether it's a sermon, whether it's a Bible study, whatever it is. We're sitting at his feet listening. We're sitting at his feet learning. We're sitting at his feet like Mary, who's the model disciple in that passage of scripture that really does show what it's like to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. As your life is completely surrendered, you're listening. The Lord is speaking. You are learning so you can obey him in his kingdom. Of course, love your neighbor as yourself is in the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, where it's demonstrated. Now, I want you to think about this with me as we apply this this morning. Showing compassion to others in need demonstrates that we have received compassion. You don't give out something that you do not possess. If we show compassion, it indicates that we've experienced compassion in the past and yet experience it in the present too, because we can show compassion to people. Showing mercy demonstrates that we've received mercy from God and can expect when we stand before him to receive mercy, when we show mercy. We should be asking ourselves the right question. And the right question in this context is, am I being a good neighbor? That's the right question. So we take away from this story and ask ourselves, am I being a good neighbor? And one thing you learn is that there are no non-neighbors with Jesus. That he does not let you choose your neighbor. Everyone is your neighbor. I wanna let that sink in for just a moment. We don't get to choose our neighbor. We don't get to choose who we love. I've learned through many years in ministry to the homeless that how you keep from becoming cynical in ministering to so many people that come with so many needs and so many angles is that you focus on the individual. You have to focus in on the individual because some people come and they have motives that are not pure. But all come with a need. And I learned 
in ministering to the homeless, that compassion meets the need. That every person that walked through the homeless shelter, through the doors, had a need of some kind or they wouldn't walk through those doors. What does compassion do? It meets the need. If a person is in lack of clothing, what's the need? It's obvious, it's clothing. If a person is hungry, and I've had uh, many to come up to me and say, I'm hungry, I hadn't eaten in three or four days. I didn't try to figure out if they've eaten in three or four days. I just took them back to the cafeteria and said to the chef, feed this person till they get full. Have you ever been hungry? I mean, really hungry? You see, compassion meets both the physical and the spiritual needs of people because they have both. And as you minister in context, it takes time to see the need of a person. It takes time to, to enter into their life. And you can do it in, in a way of thinking safely and doing it. Let me just say it that way. You can do both things. Do it safe, safely and do it effectively by thinking critically about that person's needs and how to do it. I want to share this with you in application that as I, as I share with people and meet the physical needs of people, I do this. When I do it, whether it's with a homeless person buying them something to eat or whether it's groceries for a family or whether it's meeting some kind of other need that's physical, I say to them this, uh, may I tell you why I took the time to do what I'm doing? I don't want you to mistake that I'm a good person. Because before Jesus came into my life, I was selfish, very selfish. But Jesus has transformed my life. He's called me to love people. So I want you to understand it's because of him. My dad said something to me years ago that stuck with me. He said, son, the good you see in me is the work of Jesus. That struck me. He was deflecting the good to Jesus. It was his work of grace in his heart and life. And you get an opportunity to give testimony and tell them who it really is that's good and who it really is that's changed you and who it really is that you serve and who it really is that's still working in your heart and life. It's very important to do it. So as you think about it and you share that, you have an opportunity because compassion meets both the physical and the spiritual needs of people. Their greatest need though is spiritual. So you share the gospel as you have opportunity to do so. Chris, who's sitting here this morning, I close with this. We were talking about it last night on the phone. His grandmother came to the shelter where I was pastoring. She came to the shelter for food for her family. We had a food pantry and we shared food with her, but we also shared the gospel with her. She came to Christ. I became her pastor. And then her family began to come. 
All through sharing and meeting the physical needs of people, it leads to meeting their greatest need, which is a relationship with the Lord. Would you bow your head with me? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you that you met our greatest need in sending your son to do what we couldn't accomplish, to substitute himself for us that we might have eternal life with you. Lord, may we not walk on by, but may we get involved in meeting the needs of people that you put in our paths. For we know that compassion truly does meet the need, the physical needs and the spiritual need, which is the greatest need in the lives of people. Help us to do that effectively. Thank you for Crystal College. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of it. And thank you for the opportunity being a part of your kingdom and serving you in it. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus, and by your spirit, amen. Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell Chapel podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.